Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And a good morning at you. It's January 9, 2020. It's a Thursday. And uh, I want to make an apology to begin the program uh, about my singing uh, yesterday. Um, I'll just let Mike in D.C. speak for everybody. He emailed me and said that if I wanted to have Ryan Dito appreciate musical theater or culture, um, that my singing would not help in that regard. And then he did add, no offense. (laughs) Yeah, offense. But well taken. And then he doubled down and said, why can I never find my mute button fast enough? Back in the day on radio, I used to sing when I wasn't getting callers. And I would essentially hold the listening audience hostage that the only way to stop me from singing would be to call the show. It was a call-in show, three hours. I wasn't going to fill it by myself. It always worked. (laughs) It's sad when you have the soul of a singer, but not the ability. It is. Anyway, I want to say I'm sorry. And when I admitted all of this to my son, he said, And you didn't even sing the best song. Are you worried that I might sing that (laughs) now? I could recite it. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. And I am looking out at sun and blue sky. I've got a wonderful feeling. Everything's going my way. There's a... Okay, I won't... Um, I have to talk about something right off the bat. When I uh, left here yesterday, I figured I'd missed uh, Trump's speech, which was going to start at 11 on the dot, and I didn't leave here till uh, I think close to 11.30. I get in my car, I turn on the radio, And uh, he hasn't even begun. So then I decided that I would gut it out and and listen. I was so thrilled when I initially thought I had missed the speech. So I waited, and then, yes, finally, he comes out. And listening without the distraction of the orange horror and his bizarro makeup and and hair, I was just listening to the cringifying voice. But he sounded, and I, I my initial reaction was, is he drugged? He just hearing his words it was first of all real slow and it was almost as if he had like lost control of whatever it was bizarre and it improved every once in a while but then he would like couldn't figure out how to pronounce the word tolerate. Um, And I'm thinking, I'm sorry, (laughs) that was not a well person. That was somebody who was drugged, I think. Now, what drug? I don't know, although on Twitter, Alderol was trending, as they say. Um, which is it's a drug used for people with um, ADHD. Um, but which he has been said to uh, snort 
crush the pills and then snort them, which could also explain the other bizarre things about the way he sounded. Every two seconds. And if you've ever snorted anything, I'm not saying anything specific, you will know that one of the things that happens is that. Uh, and so there was this, literally every two, somebody actually toted them up, and I think it was 52 during what was no more than a, what, 10 minute harangue. And then if that wasn't enough, there was initially, and I forgot to say this, when he first started, it seemed as if he couldn't catch his breath. So he was... <coughs> and if you think I'm exaggerating, no, that's exactly what I heard. That is not normal. And I'll tell you what else isn't normal. For not one media outlet that I accessed after the speech, no one acknowledged this strange, strange oration. Um, he was on something. There was also a, quite a delay. You know, as I said, it was supposed to start at 11 o'clock. It was almost a half hour later. And um, you gotta wonder, what are we going to find out eventually about what really is going on in that White House now? What really is being done to keep him, I guess, making the semblance of appearance of a president? I, I mean, <laughs> let us recall, it was just a few months ago, I believe, that there was this mysterious rushed visit to Walter Reed Hospital by, uh, you know, the president and his uh, physician. And there they were for hours and hours and hours. That was never explained. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a usual lie that he decided to start his physical, uh, yearly physical, a little bit early. <laughs> Come on. We know that's a lie. So something's up with him. Um, I, as we know from living with him for more than three years, he projects everything. So what he says about somebody else is what he's really thinking about himself. And I... I think this is a guy who is this, what did he call himself? The stable genius? There was an adjective or adverb before. There was a, a very stable genius. That's him saying, I am an unstable nincompoop. I, you know, but because that's what he knows. And so he has to constantly, in his massive insecurity, keep making the grandiose statements about him and his actions. And I'm telling you, the guy is sick. He's on drugs. Something's wrong. There was even some video where people just sort of zeroed in on his mouth 
and it was as if he couldn't control his his tongue. His tongue would like sort of like slide out every once in a while. That was a guy yesterday who is supposedly the most powerful man in the world who was drugged. Sorry, he was drugged. Do you have a... Talking real slow because he has trouble reading the prompter. I found it terrifying. Terrifying. Just want to say, and how odd it is, that our media don't feel able not a one of the chatterers on all of those cable stations, not a one, nor the opinion writers I've seen today, not a one, says what I saw, what I heard with my own ears. Something was wrong. I'm just saying. Um, Speaking of that, I had this strange, wonderful experience uh, last night. And I wanted to uh, tune you into it because you can have that experience I had as well. I don't normally do this. Uh, But, man. And I'm reminded of it because of living in Trump world. Trump world, as we know, is a place where truth (laughs) is some fungible thing that um, what you hear and see with your own senses is uh, a lie. And what you are told uh, is to... uh, believe instead what the propaganda machine tells you. It's like living in a nightmare now where up is down, peace is war, friends are enemies, uh, and a lot of us have felt like we're living in some kind of a crazy place, right? Right? Yeah. Well, last night, for 90 minutes, I sat in a tiny little theater on Liberty Avenue and watched a master magician do his thing. And I have to tell you, I have watched other magicians um, this year because I subscribe to a series. This guy, out of this world. He's not just a great magician. He's funny. And he's a born performer. Quick on his feet. Interacting constantly with the audience and blowing your mind. Because, and I realized when I walked out of the theater in a state of absolute like, you sit there through the whole thing with your jaw dropped you are very close to him there's only four rows in the theater it doesn't even seat 70 people I think it seats 68 people so it's an intimate little space and you can see absolutely everything and what you are seeing is unbelievable and I was thinking oh my god it's like living in Trump world It's like things don't make sense. (laughs) Only in a magic show, it's entertaining. In reality, it's terrifying. Anyway, his name is Derek Hughes. Um, This is uh, the Cultural Trust, which has opened a new theater uh, called Liberty Magic. And it's one of the few theaters that um, 
is dedicated to magic acts in the country. And this is its first year. And they have brought in top, top people. This guy, Derek Hughes, was voted by the International Brotherhood of Magicians as the first place winner, the best in stage magic. He was a finalist on America's Got Talent, um, which, by the way, is what interested me, again, in, in magic, because they did magic acts every once in a while, and I would think, that's absolutely amazing. <coughs> anyway, he's going to be doing his show through February, uh, mid-February. And I have to tell you, if you want to see something mind-blowing, get tickets. Liberty Magic. Derek Hughes. I just want to tell you that because there's not enough uh, distraction <laughs> in the world for us all. He's amazing. Um, so you just go to the Cultural T Trust uh, box office or uh, call them. Uh, and tickets start at 40 bucks, and I got to tell you, no reason to buy a more expensive one, because as I said, we I've always sat in the last row, which is tiered. You can see absolutely everything. It was simply wonderful. And then, well, I, I'll stop. I've, I'm su I'm such a fan. I talked to him after and <clears throat> told him I'd love him to come on. And um, we'll try to make that, that happen. But you should see the show. Just saying. Um, little Tony says, Lynn, about the speech, he sounded out of breath. Yes, yeah. Initially, especially. Like he was having trouble getting air. And then the sniffing. and the, It was not a normal presentation of a person addressing others. <laughs> it was bizarre. And nothing was said. And I find that terrifying. This is getting into the emperor where, uh, you know, wears no clothes territory in way, way, way too close a manner for my comfort. And then Tony says, but Lynn, you missed the spectacular entrance with the bright light shining behind him. <laughs> I, had, I have since seen it. What the F was that about? And now he emerges, almost godlike. The light blinding as he steps from it. And then... <laughs> That's, I, I, I don't know what to say. Might have to take another vacation. I can't, I can't be paying attention to this shit. Terrifying. Hey, let's hear it for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. RBG, God bless her, she is cancer-free again. How does somebody get pancreatic cancer twice and beats it? It's a death sentence. She's, she's, a, she's like a phenom. Um, you know, in July, they found another cancerous tumor on her pancreas. This is right after they got done treating her for lung cancer. And she just beats this crap back. So she announced uh, yesterday that she um <clears throat> feeling really good. Docs say they can't see any cancer. And, um... My God. So I think she, RBG is going to, she's by sheer will, this 86-year-old tiny little dynamo of a human being is going to outlast Donald Trump's presidency. 
Last year she said this. I so love this quote. It was in an interview, I think, on NPR. And then uh, at that time there was some uh, senator, who Republican, who was saying, well, here, I'll do her quote. This is what the notorious RBG said last year. There was a senator, I think it was after <coughs> my pancreatic cancer, who announced with great glee that I was going to be dead within six months. That senator, whose name I have forgotten, is now himself dead. And I am very much alive. How wondrous is she? Yes. Uh, a very funny man is dead, Buck Henry. Did you uh, can do this O bit? Um, he was the, I mean, what wasn't he? He helped establish Saturday Night Live and its, its tone. Um, he hosted 10 of the first episodes. Uh, he wrote the what's considered one of the more iconic uh, films of all time, The Graduate. And um, he was just a piece of work. Now, reading about some of the stuff he did, um, especially on the early Saturday Night Live uh, skits, you see that much of what SNL did back then would not air today. It would not air. It would not air, I assure you. One of his uh, characters <coughs> that he portrayed was um, Uncle Roy. And Uncle Roy had a Polaroid camera, and he would babysit. And he would encourage the little girls he was babysitting for, who were played by the extraordinary Gilda Ratner and uh, Lorraine Newman, to lift their dresses for him. And, get this, tell me this would air today. And here's Uncle Roy, and he would tell the little girls to hunt for buried treasure in his pants. Now that segment first aired in 1978. <laughs> um, and Buck Henry insisted that um, there always be a closing joke in which Uncle Roy would slyly look at the camera and insist that, uh, hey, I'm not one in a million. There's more of me than you might suspect. And he later said, in other words, I talked myself into the fact that we were performing or that I was performing a public service. But joking in that manner about pedophilia would not be something that could be done today. I was looking last night and howling through them, some old Dave Chappelle stuff. I mean, old. None of it would be tolerated today. None of it. And it was funny as hell. That's all I want to say. In these times, man, we don't need to clamp down on what makes us laugh. We need humor more than ever. We have a caller. Caller, hello. 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 How you doing? I'm good. Hey, um, uh, Ginsburg, Jimmy Carter, Alex Trebek, they all have one thing in common. Uh, it's great that they're doing well and everything, but it's called money, and money buys the best, medicine you can buy 
And that's why they're doing better than other people, because there's, like the justice system, there's two systems of medicine. They get the experimental, they get the best stuff that money can buy, and that's why these people live longer, and that explains the whole thing on all that stuff. Now, another thing, Trump, I'll tell you what happened to him. He was in the Oval Office crying in the corner, curled up in the ball because he thought it, he started World War III. Maybe. So he was sniffing because he was trying to get over the crying. They had to put eye drops in him and all that <laughs> and get him out there, and he was late. And that, that's what happened to him. Well, I mean, I mean it's, he, he it's conceivable. He because he yeah. almost started World yeah, War III. Right. And I think he realized it because the guy sounded scared when he was talking. He sounded he really bizarre. Was. He just sounded bizarre. And I have to tell you, yeah, when the books get written and the people who were in the rooms with him at, at, from the time he knocked off, uh, you know, the, the, Iraq, the uh, Iranian uh, general, um, I have a feeling that there is such a story to tell. And I, I can see them having to, like, feed him drugs to get him out. Anybody would have said that when we were under attack, any other president in the history of this country would have been on the television that night talking to us. They couldn't get him out to do it. Yeah, the best they could true. do was yesterday, and even that was late and delayed, and he was drugged. Yep. But you can't say that, apparently. We can't believe our lying eyes. And I, your, right. your, your, your uh, statement about um, uh, wealth buying you, uh, buying you longer life is, is indisputable. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. Buck Henry also... Uh, Uh, was the uh, producer, writer of uh, Get Smart. Do you remember that? Maxwell Smart, the guy talking into his shoe. Huh? <laughs> Buck Henry, man. So you saw him as an actor. You saw him, I don't know. Um, he once started some bizarro organization that supposedly was people offended by naked animals. Um, and, and they attempted, he and this other guy, attempted to put shorts on an elephant. And incredibly, this was covered, and not as a joke, I guess, on the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite. I could use a little more, uh, you know, uh, information about that because it's hard to believe. <laughs> uh, so anyway. What else we got? I believe that it was on this program and not that long ago and it might have been when my sister was on that I predicted did I not some of you might remember that Prince Harry and his wife Meghan would end up leaving the royal family did I not? I did, just in case you didn't remember. I mean, it was so clear that is where they were heading. And now they've made it clearer, and God help them. And I remember saying back when I predicted it, the poor souls have no escape, because even if they somehow get out of the clutches of that anachronistic, absurd uh, monarchical system, um trying to rid themselves of the plague of the tabloids, the very act of doing what they're doing makes them even greater fodder. 
So there is no place to hide for these two because they are an international story by virtue of their desire to be freed from being people forced to live in this. They can't escape. I mean, I, you can't. The only way they escape is like uh, his mom escaped. You die. You can't. And I got other people I can, you know, spend time feeling sorry for, believe me. But uh, there's... If you're against the British monarchy, you got to be rooting for this guy because he's hurting it. And he's suggesting, he even said in his their little letter they put out, that uh, he wanted to carve out a progressive new role within the institution. <laughs> I would imagine the idea among the people who guard the British monarchy of a progressive... <laughs> new role uh, would be just mind-boggling and absolutely not allowable. I mean, it was just, a, what, a month ago that they had to, uh, you know, get Prince Charles' brother, the Queen's second son, um, under undercover, the pedophile, uh, the friend of Epstein. I... There's no escape. How can they? How can they don't know? And this will be an ongoing story, and they will be hunted till the day they die or their marriage breaks up. It's gonna be ugly. We have another caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hey, good morning to you, Lynn. Hi. Um, John from Greensburg. Uh, so, yeah. I, like you, am just, you know, every day there's just sort of this undercurrent of, I guess, sort of grotesque awe at the rabbit hole we've been sucked down into. Um, when Donald Trump, you know, made that speech, I mean, let's put aside some glaring misstatements of fact. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Let's not deal I'm with the substance, really. I mean, the right. lies, the right. crap. Yeah, because let's that's not. A given. Yeah, yeah, that's a given. Let's <laughs> simply assume yeah. that he's exactly. going to you know, misstate fact and slander his predecessor and right. so on. Right, right. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm watching this. I forced myself to watch it. And I'm just thinking, how do reporters not react to this? How... How have we reached the point where this has been accepted as if it's normal? You have this buffoon in in orange pancake makeup. Yeah. Uh, with white pancake makeup, like caked around his eyes. Oh, I know. It's just hideous. A ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Three-way comb over, painted like cotton candy. Yeah. Um. He's. Um, he's in a suit too small for him. He's slurring his words and sucking wind. Yeah. You know, between each sentence. Right. You know, he obviously is having trouble reading the teleprompter. I think he likely needs glasses, and it's too, too vain to admit it. And I'm watching this, and I'm just, you know, reeling. And you're right. The, the best thing I can think of is the emperor has no clothes analogy. Where for some reason, everyone is just too timid to make some kind of, you know, to to make some kind of obvious statement oh. that it's absurd that we have this man installed in this office. Yeah, I know. Or to not at least draw attention. You know, think of these talking heads that have to go on for hours after that speech, and they talk <laughs> about everything, but they don't. Not a one? And I, there's got to be a conspiracy afoot here where they've decided they will not do that. Correct, yes. So what is that? Yeah. I don't even it, understand it, from a journalistic perspective what the hell that is. There's been some sort of tacit agreement 
that this simply isn't going to be raised. I mean, it's like uh, JFK screwing around. Yeah, there was a tacit agreement they were never going to talk about JFK screwing around, right? And it, this is much more consequential, obviously. The president uh, has no clothes and is losing his mind. Do, do we remember that just, what was the, was it three weeks ago, a month ago, or uh, thereabouts, where he made an unexpected... Um, yeah, the, the, the trip hospital. to the hospital. Yeah, I mentioned that. I mentioned oh, that. It was, he just... He just uh, he just suddenly decided he wanted to do the first half of his yeah. presidential physical. I'm like what? bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> the so first half of a presidential no, physical. That was as usual. Just, of any physical. It, it it's something. Oh, and, and I you know what? Somebody get in touch with Brian Stelter over who covers media for CNN and flat out ask him what's the deal? Because there has to they have obviously decided every single one of them that we don't bring this up, um, that people uh, can see for themselves. Never brought up, hasn't been brought up. The President of the United States, through his... I, God, I actually slipped and referred to him by that way. He doesn't deserve the title. All right, um, okay. he is. Had to admit, through his attorneys, okay, had to admit and sign off on a statement to the New York courts that he had misused. He and his family had used money for their... Quote, charity, charity. Quote, right, right. To pay pay legal debts of their own, of the business, make political contributions, and buy gifts for themselves. And that charity is shut down forever. And if they ever want to be involved in nonprofit work again, they're under a court order that they'd have to take man, mandated ethics courses. Look, 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 look. None of this. Wait, wait, none of this. None of this it's, even it's rises so to. I know. I know. Okay. 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 Now, take a deep breath. I will, too. And, <laughs> um, and I thank you for your, um, for your support. Thank you. I, I want to get... Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Um, and, and Milt is uh, chiming in here about what the caller and I are both seeing with our own eyes. Lynn, you are not alone. I noticed the drug-addled speech and respiratory duress uh, yesterday as well. In fact, I was anxious to get home after work and watch the talking heads to see if anyone spoke of it. I heard not even the slightest mention until this morning when Mika Brzezinski on the Morning Joe show tried on three different occasions to bring it up, only to be very directly interrupted by her husband, Joe Scarborough. It was as though she'd missed the memo, directing the media personalities to never, ever speak of such things. The speech was bizarre enough, Milt says, but he, the seemingly intentional omission of any mention of the obvious by all media makes me even more nervous. Strange days. I, well, I don't know. What are we going to do? Frightening. Frightening. Milton also looked into uh, Buck Henry's um, little organization, the Society for Indecency to Naked Animals. Uh, says here was a satiric hoax. Oh, they credit a guy named Alan Abel. Uh, he wrote a satirical story about this imaginary organization uh, for the Saturday Evening Post, but the editors rejected it. And then, so, he transformed his story into a series of press releases <laughs> from this <coughs> non-existent organization that did get media attention. The group used the language <clears throat> and rhetoric of conservative moralists for the aim of clothing naked animals, including pets, barnyard animals, and large wildlife. <clears throat> a 
Abel persuaded the actor Buck Henry, here he comes, to play the group's president, C. Clifford Prout Jr., in public appearances. And um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, okay. The group re re received widespread... God, how credulous could the media be with this one? The, the group received widespread American media coverage beginning with an appearance by G. Clifford Prout on NBC's Today Show. Though that was Buck Henry on the Today Show as this guy and they didn't know it was Buck Henry? Are you kidding me? Oh, it's 1959, so maybe, yeah, that's an early Buck Henry. Um, press releases and media appearances continued for the next few years until the hoax was finally revealed in late 1962. Um, this, what Milt sent me here, does not uh, talk about him ending up on Walter Cronkite, but... Um, The official position of the organization quoted by Prout, Buck Henry, was any dog, cat, horse, or cow that stands higher than four inches or longer than six inches should be clothed. Decency today means morality tomorrow. And a nude horse is a rude horse. Rest in peace, Buck Henry. God bless you. Um, Barbara says, oh, set, sent me this about Seth Meyers uh, last night. Does uh, Did a whole bit on Trump's sniffling, stuttering speech. Yeah, but so, okay, so, you know, a, a, a little, you know, media type like me, I'm saying it. Seth Meyers, okay, but see, he's a humorist saying it. Where are the mainstream journalists who have the courage? Because I guess, what is it? Because they can't prove he's on drugs? They can't. What could be their reason for not that it's just a subjective view of him? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. That was not normal, even for his usual speech. Speech. We've seen him with that kind of... And it's almost always when it's a major speech that he has to do off a teleprompter. They've got to drug him for some reason. And maybe drugging him keeps him from going off? I don't know. But if that wasn't a drugged-up guy yesterday, then I'm I, I who you gonna believe me or your lying eyes? I mean, come on. What else we got here? Hey, I just want, this is an aside to, I hope, someone who might hear this, Jody. Jody sent me the most amazing um, email, and in it, she sent a copy of a letter that I had written to her in 19... What would that have been? 1980-something. She was nine years old. Um, and she had written me because she wanted to do what I did and wanted to know how to do that. So I got a letter from this nine-year-old girl, Jody, and... Uh, and at the time she was saying she wanted to go to CMU and study journalism. And and she sent me what, she's kept the letter I sent her, and it's a two-page letter. Um, 
on a typewriter, because that's what we had back then. And um, she just wanted me to know that she actually took the advice I gave her and um, ended up uh, doing, uh, having a career uh, in, in media. Um, she said, so that letter had no small impact on my life. Uh, she said, the letter convinced me that going to CMU wasn't in my best interest. I did, however, spend the next 12 years taking your advice, writing for school and local newspapers, reading my parents' news magazines, majoring in mass communications with an emphasis in print journalism. And she ended up working for uh, a publishing house in New York and then moved to San Francisco and ghostwrote and collaborated on several nonfiction books. She's back in Pittsburgh, <clears throat> and listen to this. She's going to CMU, finally, in uh, public management. And Jody, I have been want I was not going to share that, but for some reason, I can't respond to you. I have tried over and over, and I don't know if the stupid email of this particular... So I will try again, but I'm hoping someone will, and maybe Jody, to know that I am, uh, it was incredibly, um, I'm so grateful for your update. <laughs> um, it's not as though I remember, um, you know, writing that, that letter so long ago, but um I don't want you to think I've not responded or wasn't moved by um, by you reaching out to me. I just can't, for some reason, get back to you, and I don't see your email. It just says your name, and it won't. I don't. So, I'm sorry. I just had to do, I, I know, that's not normally what I would do on the show, but I'm so upset that she might think, I wasn't blown away. So, I don't know. There might be an impeachment trial next week. That's what I hear. Um, with no witnesses. I just can't even, I, I can't imagine. And then, of course, we have this Iran thing happening. It's not like that's over. Um, and what is most infuriating is that none of that, that terrifying um, possibility the other night, watching and wondering if we were heading in to another worldwide conflagration brought about by the whim of this drug-sniffing idiot who believes that being impetuous is a strategy. It is Trump who took us to the edge and then yesterday in his <coughs> drug-addled speech, took credit for somehow winning? I, something that we didn't, the world didn't have to go through, and, and believe me, still will. It, 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 claiming that we are now safer because he took out this general? Did anybody notice the general has been replaced immediately? And all the stuff the general was going to do, they'll still do. Taking that guy out, he was not irreplaceable. But we've stirred the hornet's nest. And man, they are understandably pissed off. This is an enemy you don't want to rile any further. And so if 
Trump and the Republicans want you to believe that the world is safer now because he took out this murderous guy, that is bull. The murderous guy is immediately replaced by another murderous guy. The entire apparatus, the dead murderous guy operated, is still there. And what has been the result of taking the murderous guy out? Iran used that to say it's not in any way now going to stop its effort to get a nuclear bomb. And in fact, it is now possible that within five months... Of they're close to within five months of having enough, uh, I guess, fissionable material for a nuclear warhead. When Trump came into office, that timeline was 15 years because of the agreement we had struck with Iran that he pulled us out of. Since we blew away the murderous terrorist general. Iraq has said, get the hell out of our country. Right? Guess what the murderous general's, one of his main goals was? The murderous general. One of his main goals was getting the United States out of Iraq. Little did he know that just by being blown away by an idiot United States president, maybe he can pull that off. We're no longer fighting ISIS because we're too busy protecting ourselves, so the campaign against uh, those murderous terrorists has been put on hold, um, giving them, of course, the opportunity to uh, take a little breath and regroup and if you pay attention to what's going on in the news it was just a few weeks ago that the Iranian people were in the streets and so pissed off were they at their leaders in their government now they're in the streets saying death to America and they're rallying behind their government this is what Trump's unbelievable, impetuous nincompoopery has resulted in. And we don't even know what will happen down the road. This was the guy who was just, why? Well, it was just the other day. He was talking about bringing all our troops home. And now we got more troops there than we've had, I don't know, in a long, 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 long time. And remember that guy in North Korea? He is, well... He, we ain't even paying attention to him now as he tries to assemble his nuclear arsenal. Stupid, 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 terrifying. Uh, Barbara sent me something that says, where is this from? Ross story. All right, so yeah, I mean, it's not that people are not saying what I have said, but not the, not the mainstream media or those cable guys. They do not mention it. Ross story is not mainstream. Um... Let me see. What has she sent me here? Uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't see that. Somebody's saying take a drug test. Well, it's just, it's obvious. You don't have to be uh, some forensic scientist to see a drug-addled uh, human being. I mean, an adult, truly adult. 
Oh, and did you see? He wants to roll back all of the EPA. Um, uh, I can't find it exactly. The the Trump administration's evisceration of uh, the EPA and all of the environmental safeguards that have been put in place in the last decade or two, they are demolishing them. They want to get rid of the regulations so that if somebody wants to put a pipeline in, they don't have to do a damn thing. Just put the pipeline in. Is there a problem here? You know, and what I was thinking, I also think this economy, this burgeoning economy we have going is, is frightening because it looks to me like a bubble. It's just too, too crazy. And I was thinking today, if the Democrats succeed in November and we end up with the Democratic uh, person in the White House, they will have such a catastrophic mess to clean up in regard to all the regulatory agencies and it could be that this economy will blow up. It's always the Democrats who have to come in and not move things forward as much as simply clean up. And if they're lucky, get us back to where we were before the next Republican comes in and tears it all down again. That's what we're doing as a country. And we're getting nowhere. We're actually going down. We're not making forward progress. So I was thinking, you know, just... The, the fact that if we get, if we win, if we get him out, if you think that we're going to be able to clean this up in four years, ain't happening. Ain't happening. The damage they've done to the federal judiciary alone will take a generation or two but it will require constantly um, electing uh, progressives to office. But the way our electorate works and the way the media sort of push, they got to have this back and forth thing. They got to pull us this way until things get out of control and then they got to pull us that way. And we're just this idiot pendulum back and forth back and forth and getting nowhere boy so anyway that's all I got and, you know, don't get excited because some, you know, conservative senator comes out yesterday and says, that was the most outrageously, you know, inept uh, briefing I've ever seen in my life, blah, blah, blah. Republicans starting to freak out a little bit. Don't, don't get excited about that. Because when push comes to shove, they support this guy. Rand Paul, Mike Lee, any of them. They support this guy. Every last effing one of them. It's amazing. I should write a book, Profiles and Cowardice. The problem is it would be 700 million pages long. So, that's it. I've talked myself into total misery. I hope I haven't done the same for you. I could end on a musical note to get you running for the door. I could. I won't. 
Um, okay, that's it for me this week. I will uh, see you again on Monday, assuming World War III doesn't begin. Okay? Keep your heads down. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.